Well, today I'm going to give a message called The Benefits of Respecting the Lord. Another title for this could be and would appropriately be titled The Benefits of Fearing the Lord. The reason we didn't use that term in the title is because we have a incorrect definition often of what it means to fear the Lord. You know, to fear the Lord is actually a good thing. It's not good to fear anything in the world that comes from man, but a fear of the Lord is a good and positive thing. So when I think about fear as respect, there's a lot of things in life that can help us understand this parallel. One of the schools that I'm an adjunct for, I have a boss that I respect her, and so when she calls, and I can, I answer her calls. When she asks me to do something, I do something, not because I'm afraid of her, it's because I know that uh, I respect her position, and because I respect her position, I know that it will benefit me uh, to try to do what she asks. My wife, Beth, who's sit, sitting here in the front row, who led us in worship today, I'm not afraid of Beth, but I fear the consequences of... Why are you guys laughing? I, I fear the consequences of, of our relationship if I don't show her respect. If I don't show her respect, I know it's going to mess up our relationship. It's going gonna, it's gonna to bring disruption. It's going to bring a sense of brokenness. And so that's how it is with the fear of God, that we have a fear of God that means we respect God, and then when we respect God, um, then it changes the way that we act. It changes the way we behave. So here in just a couple of minutes, we're going to look at Psalm 118, and we're going to look at, look at ancient truths. And I want to remind you of something today, that you have a chance in your devotion in life and in Sunday service to access ancient wisdom from Scripture that is tested and is good. And the Scripture I'm going to show you today will change your life will change your life if you're ready for it. But it only will change your life if you allow the Holy Spirit to do a work. So at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, the scripture says this to us. It says, now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit, notice the word spirit is capitalized there, who comes from God. This is the Holy Spirit. So that we may understand what has been freely given to us by God. We also speak these things not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit. Look at this part. Explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. The Holy Spirit is the one who allows Scripture to mean something to you. And, and when we, we have an attitude of, well, the Scripture is just old and boring and irrelevant, then we're going to get a message that's, boring and irrelevant. But if we have, we have the perspective that says the scripture is alive. The scripture is active and it's going to affect my life. And the Holy Spirit is going to speak through Psalms 112 today. If you have that type of expectation, then the scripture will change your life this morning. A lot of times we have wisdom that is trendy. Wisdom that is temporary. And what we thought was wise yesterday is not so wise today. When I was in junior high, this was like the late 80s, 87, 88, 89, I did what a lot of kids do is 
I uh, created my own personal day. You know, mom, my stomach is upset. I need to stay home today, you know. And, and I did that because there was a routine. Syndicated television had sitcoms, and so it would go something like this. Andy Griffith to the Gomer Pyle Show, Father's Knows Best, Leave It to Beaver. The Brady Bunch was about the time my older brother and sister came home from work, and we would finish off with Little House on the Prairie. Does anyone remember this at all? No? Okay. All right. So, yeah, some of us understand this. And so I would take my personal day to do that. One of these times I was taking my personal day, and an infomercial came on. And there was this amazing man, amazing man who flew in a helicopter, and he arrived at a place where hundreds, maybe thousands of people wanted to hear him speak. And he would motivate people. And he would tell them all the different things they needed to do to change their lives. And at the end, at the end, he would have them run barefoot through hot coals. And for $79, you could get his tape packet. And on top of that, he had great hair. I mean, who could resist this guy's hair? Right? Tony Robbins, remember him? And I remember as a junior high kid thinking, I've got to get those tapes. I've got to... This Tony Robbins guy, man, he's amazing, you know? He's amazing, and I've got to get the tapes. So he had his day. I know he's still around somewhat, but the, you know, the trendiness of Tony Robbins has somewhat passed for most of us. But in the 90s then, you know, Oprah, I mean, she was, she was the lady, right? She was the lady, and she told us about Dr. Phil. This was before the WWJD, what would Jesus do? Before that, America was asking, what would Dr. Phil say, right? What would he say? And so he was the trendy kind of wise guys, wise guy, the sage that we would get wisdom from. Nowadays, there's a lot of these type of people around, but we don't listen to our doctors anymore. Uh, We don't listen to the latest medical journals because why do that when you have Dr. Oz, right? I mean, look how trusting this guy is with, with his you know, with his, whatever that is, his green gook we're supposed to eat. Now, all of these guys have good things to say. In fact, I heard Dr. Oz talk the other day. I thought, yeah, I probably ought to listen to what he has to say. So I'm not saying that Dr. Phil or Oprah or or Oz doesn't have good things to say. And the scripture says all wisdom is from above. But what I'm going to share with you this morning has been around thousands of years. It is much longer than the American Constitution. I love our nation. Our Constitution has served us well for these 235 plus years. Thankful for it. But what you're going to learn today is longer, more reliable, tested Scripture. And I'm giving a lot of context for this, but I, I am wanting to prepare you for what God wants to speak Psalm 112 has the potential to change your life. In the next 15 minutes, your life's going to be changed. That sounds like Tony Robbins, doesn't it? Okay. Well, yeah, it will be. Because, not because of me and my delivery, it's because of the power of Scripture. So, let's talk about Psalm 112. If we were Hebrew scholars and we understood ancient Hebrews, we would see that Psalm 112 actually formed an acrostic that the Hebrew alphabet... For the beginning to end was the beginning of each line. 
in the English translation. We don't get the benefit of that, but I thought that would be great to share with you because it's a reminder of the variety of writings that are in the Scripture. When we read the Psalms, these are words that were sung. These are artistic words. These are poetry. It's, it's poetry. It's something that causes the heart to come alive. And it is a collection, Psalm 112, specifically of wise sayings. That's why wisdom is before you today. And I believe that you, you will be impacted by it. So enough setting up the scripture. Let's actually read the scripture. Psalm 112, starting with, with verse 1. Hallelujah. Happy is a man who fears the Lord, taking great delight in his commandments. His descendants will be powerful in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light shines in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, compassionate, and righteous. Good will come to a man who lends generously and conducts his business fairly. He will never be shaken. The righteous will be remembered forever. He will not fear bad news. His heart is confident, trusting in the Lord. His heart is assured he will not fear. In the end, he will look in triumph on his foes. He distributes freely to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted in honor. The wicked man will see it and be angry. He will gnash his teeth in despair. The desire of the wicked will come to nothing. I have five observations from the scripture. More than three. All right? If you're visiting, I'm a three-point sermon guy, and there's reasons for that. If you're ever interested in finding out over coffee, I'll tell you why. But today, there's five points. And the scripture speaking, the benefits of respecting God, the benefits of fearing God. Here's the first one. The first benefit is this personal happiness. I'm going to tell you what the scripture says. There is a personal happiness when you respect God. When you live without regard to God's commands, when you live without regard to God's approval, when you live a selfish life that doesn't consider the commands of God or the input of God in your life or the counsel of God, and you live selfishly, it's not a happy life, guys. I want to tell you this, that if you are, you are keeping a lie alive, and you continue to lie to cover up an original life, you're not a happy person. That's not a happy thing to do. You're not a happy person when you have to deceive people close to you. You're not a happy person when, when you're having to maintain a, a persona that doesn't come from authentic transformation from God. You're not happy when that happens. Because you're living selfishly, and you're not living in fear, a healthy fear, and a respect for God. When we respect God, we want God's approval more than man's approval. When we respect God, we want His blessing. Then it's greater than just the desire to have approval from mankind. And here's the contrast. There's a contrast between verse 1, who says, happy is the man who fears God, and verse 10. Look at what verse 10 says at the end. 
the wicked man will see it. What will the wicked man see? The wicked man will see the benefit of fearing God and be angry. He will gnash his teeth in despair. The desire of the wicked will come to nothing. You know, the only thing that will last for eternity is the love we have for God and the love we have for one another. Everything else only has temporal value. So if we're building a legacy for ourselves, a lot of times we do that. You know, I want to build a legacy for myself. I want there to be a memorial left for me. I want, there to, I want my name to be remembered in history. I want my fortune to last forever, all, uh, to, to, to last to next generations. All those things may be appropriate at times, and they, they may have value to us as we honor people, but they're temporal. What will last is our relationships, relationship with God and a relationship with each other. And the benefits of respecting God that there will come a time when those who have lived for evil intent will actually become angry because they know they missed the blessing of God on their life. Guys, I don't want any of you to miss that. I don't want you to come to a point in your life where you regret because you haven't lived in respect of God and fear of God. You've missed out of the happiness there is in living for the Lord, and instead you're angry because someone else has a blessing that you could have enjoyed also. This is the fallacy that we have. Listen, God has presented to us a way, a way of obedience, a way of sacrifice. He's presented us a, a way of devotion to Him, and that way will make us happier. It will. If you're not happy today, try serving God. Try respecting God. Try living for the approval of God, and you watch the trajectory of your life. Your future will be happier. I'm going to tell you, your future will be better. This is ancient wisdom. This is what I'm talking about. This stuff has worked for hundreds and hundreds, even thousands of years, for billions of people that have feared the Lord, respected the Lord, put the Lord first. Your life will improve. Happiness is before you if you serve the Lord, but if you serve wickedness and selfishness, a time of regret is coming. And this is not just for you. This is not for you only. It's also for future generations. Here's my second point. Write it down if you're taking notes. You can, you can fill in the blank. Here's the second benefit of serving the Lord. The next generation. Generational success. Generational success happens when we serve the Lord. Look again at verse 2. What does verse 2 say about the man or woman who fears the Lord? His or her descendants will be powerful in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Listen, there's a benefit to the next generation when you serve the Lord today. You're not serving the Lord only for you. You're serving the Lord for your kids and your grandkids and even your great-grandkids. The decisions you make for God truly do make a difference. I have a distant cousin who has studied our genealogy of our family. This guy is great. He knows all about the Allison since way back when we came into England. And he has all of this history that I get to benefit from. I have a great-grandfather who I never met. 
but I've heard lots of stories about him and he was well-beloved. But from what I know about him, he was not a religious man. He wasn't really interested in the ways of God. He wasn't interested in the things of God. He married a, a lady from Iceland. And they started the first, and this, this lady started the first Lutheran church in the Dallas area. And she, she would take my grandpa and his brothers to church. But the gospel wasn't really alive in their heart. My grandfather, who I knew very well, my grandfather married a preacher's daughter. And what ended up happening is there was a time in their life where their children were very young. My grandmother would take my dad and my uncle to church while my grandfather, he would read the newspaper. And one day they came in tow, they got in the car and they left. And something told him, he said, you fool, you're going to let your wife take those boys to church and miss the blessing. And he got up, he got dressed, he went to church that morning, and he never missed church again. By the time I knew him, he wasn't just going to church. He was a head deacon, he was president of the board one year, he taught the friendship Sunday school class at Eastland Christian Church in East Dallas. And his son, my dad, always went to church. And he always, my dad always took me to church. And today, my daughter Abby, my son Luke, my other son Lincoln, they're here in church today. My grandpa's decision that day changed generations change generations. There's a biblical principle on this. The scripture says that the love of the Lord, the love of the Lord affects ten thousands of generations. And even sometimes if it skips a generation, even if you don't see it in the future, it makes a difference. Les Fuller comes to church every Sunday. I mean, he, he, listens, he misses no church. He comes to church more in a year at this church than I do. He's in charge of our 9 a.m. service. He turned 70 years old uh, this month. But about 20 years ago, he got saved for the first time. He got saved at this church long before I came, when this church was at Beach High School. And since that time, even though he didn't go to church his whole life, for the last 20 years, Les has been going to church. He's been a leader. He was an instrumental person in me becoming a pastor here at this church. And today, as he sat about that fourth row right there, his grandkids sat with him. They didn't sit with him for one week. They sit with him every single Sunday because that just started here in the last couple of years. But Les is changing his family line, and he's changing the life of his great-grandkids too. It's a generational impact that we have. What we do affects generations. That's why when I said earlier, you attending church changes the world. It changes your world. And it makes our world a better place. And it's not just about church attendance, right? Okay, that's just the example from my grandpa and to Les and all this. But it's about the way we live. It's, it's about living out the gospel. List 20 different things. The way we behave, the way we talk, the way we live out this gospel changes generations. The benefit of fearing the Lord impacts those you may not even ever meet, but they're in your family lineage. They're part of who you are. The fear of the Lord. 
This is what the scripture says. This, now, this point's going to make some of us nervous because we don't like to talk about money in church, and I get that. So I'm just going to read the scripture, all right? It's not my fault the Bible says this. Don't get mad at me because it is the Bible. The fear of the Lord brings wealth and riches to give. Verse 3, wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Wealth and riches are in his house. This is the benefit of fearing the Lord. Point three, and write this down, wealth and riches to give. Wealth and riches to share. Look also with verse nine. Verse nine says this, this is the same thing. He distributes freely to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted in honor. God wants to bless us and prosper us so that we can give more to the poor. Give more to those in need. This is the benefit of fearing the Lord. It's a benefit of fearing the Lord. I know many of you have been the victim of divorce. Most adults have been touched by divorce in some way statistically. So I say this with sensitivity, but there's a fact that you need to know. You know, one of the greatest deterrent to people building wealth is divorce. And just, just, just a bottom line, I'm just giving you a simple thing. I'm not trying to make you feel bad or anything like that. But for those of you who are married, that the work you do to stay married impacts you financially. Obviously, that's not the reason. I'm not going to just stay married just for the money. I'm just saying it's the, that's, that's the byproduct of, fear, of fearing the Lord, of, of, of following the Lord's commands. I know some of you, again, are, you, you wish you were married now and it's not your fault. Your spouse has left you. I, I'm, I'm, all that's going through my mind right now. I understand that, but I need to let you know this. I need to let you know this is that when you follow God's ways, you don't follow God's ways to get money. That's immature. That doesn't represent the gospel. But I guarantee you that if you follow and fear the Lord, you won't even be thinking about it. But 10 years from now, you're going to be better off financially. You will be. You may have chosen to give all your money away uh, or God may have called you to do that. But there is something about following God's ways that leads you to more prosperity. Here's part of the reason why. If you're involved in a destructive lifestyle, it costs you a lot of extra money. I mean, if you are in the party lifestyle where you're always having to have something to alter your mind, to have a good time, um, a chemical to stimulate you, that costs a lot of money. If you're trying to hide an extramarital affair and you're paying for extra hotel rooms and travel and all that stuff, that wastes a lot of money. I'm just being really logical about this. But when you fear the Lord and you respect the Lord and you say, because I want the favor of the Lord and because I want the blessing of the Lord and because I'm responding to the salvation, I want to live my life in such a way that honors God and you're honoring God, what's going to happen is you're going to grow financially and then you're going to be able to give to every good cause. You're going to be able to, to, to help refugee families with your own money, right? Right? I mean, we don't need to be, we need to be spending our money to help refugees. We don't need to be waiting for some kind of entity or government to do it. We need to do it. We need to do something about the homeless. We need to do something about the uneducated. And, and wealth gives us the ability to do that. Yes, I'm, I'm not some type of person who, 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 who's trying to who's trying to subtly promote materialism for my own benefit. I, I hope you know that. I, I, I'm saying that, that 
God's people who are disciplined, who have the capacity to receive God's favor, have an opportunity to bless the world. A lot of us, God wants to bless us more financially, but we don't have the character to handle the prosperity. You see, with wealth comes options. And when we have options, we stray from God unless we intentionally seek God. Some of us wouldn't be, you know, some of us, if we had options, we wouldn't be in the house of God. We, wouldn't, we, would, we would be participating in behavior that is sinful. We, we would um, not be in the place God wants us to be. And so we haven't had the character yet to handle those resources. The Lord wants to begin to prepare you for that. He wants to be a giver. A giver. I, I want you to begin to see a vision of who you can become. Someone where the Lord can flow resources through. You're a man, you're a woman who fears the Lord. You respect the Lord. The Lord has all of your finances. The Lord has every raise. The Lord has every sale. The Lord has every benefit. And he's flowing through you. He's flowing through you because you're living in respect to God. You're not... Living under this suspicion, oh, religion just wants my money, that negative, religion, the church just wants my money. No, you're just saying, God, I'm, I'm your vessel. If you want me to tip the, if you want me to give a $100 tip to the waiter today, that has nothing to do with the church. That has nothing to do with the institutional church. I'll do it, God, if you want me to do that, right? If you, if you want me to do it, God. has nothing, this is not a giving campaign. This is a life, this is a vision of, of the lifestyle God wants us to have. If you fear the Lord, if you respect the Lord, you can become that type of person. Let's look at verse 4 and 5. Verse 4 and 5 say this. Light shines in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, compassionate, and righteousness. Good will come to a man who lends generously and conducts his business fairly. Here's the fourth point. Community respect. For the man or woman who fears the Lord... There is a community respect that will come to you that will honor God. And I want you to know this, is that our culture needs humble servants of God. We need men and women of God who can lead. Men and women of God who can lead. You know, it's easy to lead when everything's good. It's easy to lead when everything's ideal. It's easy to lead when everything's beneficial. But when adversity comes, when hard times come, when difficult times come, and they will, then we need leaders. And God needs his people to be leaders. And he wants to position us to be the leaders that he's called us to be. Isaiah 58 is such a beautiful scripture. It's such a beautiful scripture. It's talking about the anointing, the anointing on Jesus and the anointing on us as Jesus' followers. This is a scripture that as you read it, you'll say, this could have been the whole sermon and you're right. But I want us to read it together because it's talking about what happens when we respect and fear the Lord and the benefits that come from it. Isaiah chapter 58, starting with verse 9. At that time, when you call, the Lord will answer. When you cry out, he will say, here I am. Beautiful words. If you get rid of the yoke among you, the finger pointing and malicious speaking, and if you offer yourself to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted one, then your light will shine in the darkness and your night will be like noonday. The Lord will always lead you satisfy you in a parched land and strengthen your bones. This, this, is, this is what happens 
This is metaphorical language of the blessings of God. You'll be like a watered garden and like a spring whose waters never run dry. Now look what happens for others. Some of you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will restore the foundations laid long ago. You will be called the repairer of broken walls, the restorer of streets where people live. This is the full story of the gospel. Jesus has come. Jesus has come to point to the foundations, the ancient foundations that have been abandoned. Jesus has come to rebuild what is broken. Jesus has come to fix the walls that are crumbled and to repair them again. Jesus has come to restore the streets, to restore the functioning of the community, to restore the functioning of the city. And we get to join the work of Jesus. There's a respect that comes on a man or woman who fears the God. We are not just people who are existing, who are just taking up air, taking up space. We are leaders. We are creators. We go to whatever place God calls us to, and we get to make a difference by reflecting his power and his glory. We are salt that bring out the God flavors of the world. We are light in a darkness, and this happens in our schools. This happens with men and women who are in politics, with men and women who use their businesses for the glory of God. This happens when we use our art and we use our art to create and our art causes the God flavors of the world to come forward. And we are those who repair what is broken in the name of Jesus. But it all starts when we fear the Lord. When you don't respect the Lord and you don't fear the Lord, you're not thinking about impacting others because you're just thinking about yourself all the time. This is, this is a call. And this is the vision. I want Psalm 112 to be a visionary song for you, a visionary scripture of what's going to happen as you begin to respect and fear the Lord. And here's the last point I want to make. Point number five. You won't hear me say that often when I preach, so... It's extra credit today. You got two extra points today. Point number five, you can put it up, says this. Stability during adversity. Stability during adversity. That's, that's what we need leadership for. We need, we, we need, God is preparing us as a people. He's preparing us for whatever happens in the future. There's things that are going to happen uh, to us personally and things that will happen to us culturally. We know that in the next 10 years, you or someone close to you will have a health crisis. In the next 10 years, you or someone close to you will have a relational family issue. We know because of history that in the next 10 years, there'll be some significant challenge to our culture in which fear will be the predominant emotion. And God's people need to prepare for this. We need to prepare with a relationship with God that gives us hope that gives us resilience, that gives us power over sin, that gives us trust even in the most difficult of circumstances. The irony of the scripture is the person who fears the Lord doesn't fear what normal people fear. The people who have a respect for God can look into the future. And I want you to see verse 5 here. This is such a powerful benefit of respecting the Lord. Verse 5 says this, He or six, thank you. He will never be shaken. The righteous will be remembered forever. Look at verse seven. He will not 
She will not fear bad news. His or her heart is confident, trusting in the Lord. Now, I'll read on, and I want to go back. His heart is assured. He or she will not fear. In the end, he will look in triumph on his foes. Now, look at the previous scripture there in verse 6 and 7. I believe this is a scripture for you today. He will not fear bad news. His heart is confident, trusting the Lord. I want us just to keep that slide up for, for a little bit. Beth, I want you to join me up here because I want to pray for you today. There's, there's a stability. There's a stability that we need in God's people in the days to come. Now, I want to give you my opinion on something. This is not a word from God. This is an opinion. You can discern whether you think it's of the Lord or of Aaron. But I, I think just from indicators that I see that we're, we're entering a period of, of um, economic positive blessing and prosperity as a nation. Now, whenever an economy does well, it doesn't mean everyone does well. It just doesn't. There's never, it doesn't benefit 100% of the populace. I know that. But I think that in Middle Tennessee, where we have a very diversified economy, where Hendersonville and Gallatin and North Nashville are geographically positioned, there's a lot of reasons to know, or a lot of reasons to believe. There's a lot of economic indicators, both globally and nationally, that the next period of time can be good for many of us. And this is a time when your heart, your heart could easily stray because you have options. And the Lord is, cause, is calling you to a resilience, a faithfulness to the things that he's called you to. And the Lord has called you to deepen your relationship with God because a time will come of challenge again. It may not be economic challenge. Lord forbid it be a, some type of, of national crisis. Again, these are just opinions here. I'm not speaking from the Lord here, but I just know history is a great indicator of what, what can happen because of the evil men's heart. And we have to begin to prepare ourselves. We need to prepare ourselves to be God's people with an answer. And God's people, and I want you to have a vision for the scripture before you on the screen. He or she will never be shaken. The righteous will be remembered forever. He or she will not fear bad news. His heart is confident, trusting the Lord. Verse 7 is where we're landing today. He or she will not fear bad news. His or her heart is confident, trusting the Lord. I want us to stand together, and I want us to just begin to thank the Lord for what he's shown us today. Thank the Lord for Psalm 112. This is, this is the Lord. The Lord is your confidence. The Lord is your confidence. You do not have to fear the future. You do not have to fear the uncertainty. Uh, th th there are our God... Our God is our sustainer. Whatever circumstances we have, again, I'm predicting good. Uh, in my mind, I, I think we have some good years ahead of us, and just in my mind. But whether, they, whether I'm right or wrong doesn't matter because whatever circumstances before us, our God doesn't change, right? Our God doesn't change. Our God is bigger than any challenge we face. Our God is bigger than any circumstance that we face. Our God is bigger than any issue. Our God is stronger than cancer. Our God is stronger than financial shortfall. Our God is stronger than any injustice or oppression. 
Our God is bigger. Our God is greater. And as he begins, as we begin to build our spiritual reservoir, if, if we have the discipline to say, in the good times, let us not abandon the Lord. In the time when we do have choices and options and disposable time and disposable income, let us use that time to seek the Lord and develop our character and build a reservoir so when the time comes when the rest of the world is shaken and the rest of the world is in fear and the rest of the world doesn't know what to do, our heart is assured. Our heart knows that we will not fear bad news because our heart is confident trusting the Lord. I want you to get a vision for who God wants you to be. God, God can make you that person. If you've already been that person at times, he can strengthen that part of you and make you stronger so we're ready to face the future the way he wants us to. I love you guys. I'm so thankful to get to share this scripture with you today. Thank you for being at church today. I'm serious. Thank you. You being here makes a difference. It makes a difference. Your your time your investment makes a difference in this church, makes a difference, I believe, in your life. And I'm thrilled that you came today.